Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Everyone, and welcome to Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And this is Mark Vila from Coldesi and Coleman and Company. We yeah. have different ways of saying hello sometimes. That's true. That's, that's what I felt like doing it today. It's true. And uh, today we actually have a guest with us that I hope you can see on your screen um, below, depending on which video we decide to use at the end of this podcast. And that is Marshall Atkinson. And uh, I'm going to let him talk about himself in a minute. But I actually reached out to Marshall because he's kind of a uh, getting to be a big shot in the industry. Like he's uh, he's a consultant, has been in the industry for for years, and has some things that I thought were has some valuable background and knowledge to share that that Mark and I thought would make your business better. So uh, Marshall, why don't you say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hey, well, thanks so much for allowing me to be on your podcast today, Mark. I really appreciate it. So my name is Marshall Atkinson. I'm a business coach, consultant, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> and I've been in the industry since 1993. I've been helping folks with their uh, businesses and their shops since 2010. Uh, kind of a side hustle thing. Uh, but I started full-time doing this in 2018. So this is, I, I finished two full years, and now this is my third year of doing it full-time. Um, and so where I kind of hang my hat is with process efficiency, cost optimization, uh, leadership stuff, learning how to train people. I do a lot of marketing and business planning, uh, sustainability, of course, and uh, just you know how to do things better. Uh, I'm not the guy to call if you want to learn how to print better or how to embroider better. There's plenty of other people who frankly do a much better job of that. Okay. Uh, so I kind of help people um, basically get more things through the pipe a day. That's kind of mm -hmm. if you want to narrow it down to a phrase, that's probably it. So give me, give me an example of kind of your, uh, like, like no, most people don't know what a consultant really does. So why don't you give us an example of who might call on you and right. why? Right. So, uh, well, I've got numerous things that they could use. First, I've got some eBooks on my webpage that you could just read. A lot of people have trouble just first admitting that they have a problem. That's really a hard yeah, thing yeah. to do for a lot of people is admit, raise your hand. Hey, I've got a question. It's hard for people to do that because then it puts them in a position that they don't know everything and right. they don't want to admit that. So I've got a free ebook, top 10 workflow tips. I've got one on the shop basic info pack, which is basically some templates you can use. I've got right. one on pricing. How do you build a price list that makes sense instead of just, uh, in, you know, doing it like everybody else. So it's just the average of all the people around you, which never works. Yeah. And then, I've got one on artwork, and uh, I also have a new online course about uh, eliminating your production downtime. So cool. those are some things they can do without even talking to me. They can just get them. But if you're going to talk to me, uh, so how I work is with uh, some scheduled phone calls. 
So it's kind of like um, talk, like uh, the way I would explain it is if you played sports in high school or college, right, you probably had a coach. So this is a person who uh, gave you some drills, gave you some tips, showed you how to do things with correct technique and form, and they allowed you to compete better. Did they go on the field and win the game? No, they're on the sidelines. That's the, so that's what I do. I'm on the sidelines trying to make you better, but you ultimately have to do the work. Yeah, so, so, so and we're going to definitely put links to your website on there so you guys right. don't have to write things down. Um, so it'll definitely be in the notes. Um, why would somebody – we're going to get into fixing your process and how, how to look at it. So, like, at what point do you usually get that phone call? Is it a – is it a small business that's trying to make it to the next step? Is it a big business that just knows something broken? Something's broken? Yeah, so usually I get the phone call when people have reached the boiling point and they're incredibly frustrated. They just lost a client. Uh, they've got employees who quit, uh, you know, or there's something going on that just frustrates people to the point where they can't take it anymore one day longer their head is going to literally pop off their shoulders got it when i get the phone call um or hopefully hasn't reached that point yet and they're really worried like right now there's a recession maybe looming right so people are going what am i going to do or i get phone calls when people want to get to the mythical next level they're at a certain stage in their development like uh they want they're at a They've got a manual or maybe two and they want to get their first auto or they were interested in DTG or they want to add a embroidery, right? And so they're looking at, they're doing this expansion and they've gone to a trade show or they've talked to people like you guys and they're like, I don't really know what to do yet. How do I prove that this is going to be a good idea for me? And so I get those phone calls a lot actually. And yeah. So here's an interesting thing, Mark. Um, I probably, I, I ask the same question um, all the time. And uh, about 60 to 70% of the people I ask uh, haven't done something. Do you know what that is? Uh, made a business plan? Made a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know we were going to be quizzed. Yeah, see, I studied. All right. Right. So, uh, so a lot of people don't have a business plan. So the reason why they don't have customers is because they haven't accurately defined where the bullseye is. And so that's, uh, in fact, one of my eBooks has business plan templates in it and I help people with that. And so before they buy that auto or an embroidery or DTG or whatever, that's one of the questions I ask first is how are you going to support this new piece of equipment? or this new idea, because as soon as you get this thing, it's a shiny new toy, and it's not field of dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come. That's not how business works. We, we, have, no, we, have, we, have, no idea, we have no experience with that methodology at all. <laughs> well, so it, it gets me thinking about something actually, because um, throughout the podcast, I always like to uh, talk, to the, talk to the folks and kind of give yep. them something to do, give them a direction to head towards. So mentioning business plans it's right a lot of folks don't have a business plan 
what's um, could you maybe provide a, a few sentence or a short or a couple or a minute description of what a business plan should look like? What sure. it, how would you define it? It's easy. It's easy. All right. So a lot of people here have probably uh, fired a rifle or played bar darts or like uh, uh, earlier this year, I went to a bar and threw an axe at a, the axe throwing lane. I don't know if everybody's ever done that. Right? right. So what we're doing with a business plan is we're creating the bullseye, right? And like a laser, we can identify if we know exactly who our best customers are and why they should do business with us. What we're looking for is alignment, right? We're looking for fit. We can't serve everyone, okay? So one of the stories I tell in some classes that I teach at the trade shows is um, I'm from the South, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida, and every type of soda is basically a Coke because I'm, I'm from the South. So yep. if you reach into a cooler and say, hey, can you give me a Coke? It, it could be grape soda, to me it's all Coke, right? But if you offered me a Pepsi, I would say, no thanks, I'll drink water, right? <laughs> I am a Coke drinker. Pepsi is basically flat Coke. Right? right. I'm never going to drink it. Okay. So in your business, right, what we want to go after are the people who are Coke drinkers, right? We want people who are in alignment with what we have and what we offer because there's people out there who are the Pepsi folks, right? Who will never, no matter what you do, what you, you could give stuff away to them for free and they won't want it because that's not what they're in, uh, in business for. Right. So what we're trying to go after with the business plan is people who are in alignment with what we're trying to do, what we're trying to offer, what's a good fit for us, who will happily pay whatever we charge, right? That's what we want. We don't want people who are tire kickers who will say, hey, I got a guy down the street that will do it or nickel cheaper, right? That's not a good fit for you, right? right? We want people who will pay us up front. That's one of the things I teach with my clients is, we want 100% of the money up front. No 50-50, no POs, none of that. We want people who pay us up front. Because if you get paid up front, your business grows faster than if you do any sort of billing. We want people who pay us up front. We want people who pay us for full value. We're trying to develop a business where all of our customers are happy. They're ecstatic. They're uh, people who will refer us to other customers. So we want referrals, right? So if we can build a referral engine based on ecstatic, happy customers, we're going to have a thriving business because then we don't have to discount anything, right? right? So you go, well, gosh, like who does this, right? Look at other industries, right? Who here, if you're watching, has been to Chick-fil-A, right? You've been to Chick-fil-A. My kid's a Chick-fil-A nut, right? Chick-fil-A doesn't have a value menu. They don't have a dollar chicken sandwich. Right. You can't get it. Chick-fil-A's marketing is either full price or free, right? If you want to try the chicken biscuit, they'll give you a coupon. You can try it for free. They don't discount anything, right? Because what they're trying to build is rating fans. If you've been to Chick-fil-A around lunch, it's a line that wraps around the block. Yeah. Right? They're getting full price 
for what they're offering. And you, and you and can. the and the and the connection with the business plan is that your you've identified you're identifying your target or your niche. Yes. And you're drawing right. the line between that kind of enthusiasm and what you do. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, do we have to go after the same groups that everybody else is going after? Maybe, maybe not, right? But in your business plan, what is going to differentiate you from everybody else? So what we're looking for is that one thing, and that one thing is called an unfair advantage. So if you can't articulate what your unfair advantage is that separates you from all the other yahoos out there that can print a t-shirt or embroider a polo, right? Then how are you going to separate yourself with your marketing, right? And so this could be uh, the fact that you offer uh, faster turn times or it's a, uh, your creativity is better, okay? But I can tell you what it can't be about. It can't be about lower pricing because that's a race to the bottom you don't want to win. It can't be about customer service because customer service, great customer service isn't something defined by you. That's your customer telling people you've got great customer service. Because okay. if you start talking about it, you sound like the used car sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about that. Mm -hmm. It can't be about we've got fantastic quality prints or great embroidery or whatever. Because guess what? That's the default mode, right? You should be able to do that anyway. That's not what people are looking for. What people are looking for, and this is what needs to be in the business plan, is what problem are you solving? People want their problem solved. Yeah. So you have to ask people, you know, what are your, what are your problems? You have to define that. If you can define that in your business plan, here are my customers and here are their problems, and this is how I'm going to solve that. That separates you from all these other people who have to do a hundred t-shirts for three bucks each. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So give me, give me a few examples. You know, you're talking about solving problem and I've got a few in my head. Mm -hmm. um, give us a couple of examples of problems that somebody in our industry might be solving. Okay. So there's a lot of people who go after uh, the schools, right? That's a big popular thing, right? Yeah. So what is the problem for the football coach, let's say? What is it? Um, is the fact that he doesn't want to monkey around with the shirts. He'd rather be coaching football. Got right? it. Mm -hmm. So if you could develop a way that he can uh, get the students excited about the upcoming game or this season or whatever, and you can solve that problem for him so he doesn't have to touch it, right? Yep. Because he wants to be coaching right? You solve that problem for him, right? Or the PTO mom, right? So she gets the shirt, she distributes them in her garage, and little Billy picks the wrong shirt. And now uh, little Freddie has the wrong size and all the moms complain. That's a problem. How yeah. are you solving that? So this is with online stores and how you do things and how you package that order up where each shirt's maybe polybag with the kid's name on it and blah, 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 right? You're solving that problem for the coach or the PTO mom. You're winning that account because you're offering something better than just printing the shirts. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, and we've talked about that on the podcast before about that that customer experience needs to be part of, of the plan. 
Yeah. Because we've even mentioned, you know, the poly bags with the names on it yeah. and things like that before, because I've done it. I've received a box of shirts at, at some point in time in my life before I was in this industry and going through those larges and smalls. is is one Forget of the most it. annoying things it's to do terrible. out there. Uh, one thing that I, that, um, talking about the solving the problems in the business plan kind of got one thought put into my head is a lot of folks out here who are listening to this are maybe taking some mental notes or writing some things down saying, I need to have a plan. That's why I'm stuck. That's why I feel yeah. like I'm not getting anywhere. And one thing that I noticed that is a problem when I talk to customers who are, who are um, frustrated with not having success right. is that their, your equipment that you own, even if you already own it, has to match what your plan is. So if right. you've got a direct-to-garment printer and you're focusing on doing uh, apparel for folks that are always one color, front-only yeah, you know, yeah, type yeah. of prints, you're going to compete again in a completely different market that a direct-to-garment printer is not designed to compete in. Yeah. And then now you're struggling to get ahead, you're struggling to make a profit because you don't have the right tool Right for the for the job, or or if you're you're you want to go into the concert tees business and you try to do sublimation, and no one at a concert wears white t-shirts. Yeah, everyone they yeah, all you yeah. know they all want they all want dark. Yeah, colors. And, and I think about it, you know, like uh, if if someone's a shade tree mechanic, and they've got a set of wrenches and that's it. I mean, that's fine if they're just changing oil. Right. But if they've got if they're if they're doing more, if they're doing more work and they're taking apart motors, they've got to have more different tools for that. Yeah. Specialty tools for that. So the, the equipment that you own is the tool that you have. It's got to match what your business plan is. Yeah. Right. And so that goes back to what I was saying earlier about alignment, right? So we right. have to have good fit. So for, um, you know, if you're a shade cherry mechanic, right, you're not going to operate on that Ferrari, right? So you're going to, yeah. you're going to, work on probably that 15 year old Chevy, right? So you're not gonna place ads to the Ferrari people because they're not gonna come, mm -hmm. right? So you have to know what you're doing. And, um, and also I would venture to say, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that you have to have a business plan, but you also need to know your numbers. So if you don't know your business numbers, if you don't know your cost per impression, what it actually costs on average to produce whatever you're doing, yeah. mm -hmm. then your business is more likely to fail. I coach shops where they, they, this is a true story. I talked to this one guy a couple of years ago and he had on about $1.2, $1.3 million in sales, right? And he made $12,000 that year. Oh. Okay. So what happened is because he used somebody else's price list he didn't know what his costs were. He invested in a lot of stuff. He bought a, uh, some equipment and they didn't have a business plan written for that particular piece of equipment. And so it just sat there at like a giant paperweight, right? It did, he didn't make any money with it. And so it's like one of these things where you need to know your numbers. You need yeah. to know mm -hmm. your cost per impression. You need to know your, because and this changes every single day. You need to know what your um, your overhead is, your labor rate, your consumables, and your uh, utility costs. All those kind of combine into what I call uh, your cost per impression. And you, should, you just do some math. And you can divide 
um, that up and you can see a bunch of stuff. Now, um, you need to know all this. You need to know your production uptime, right? So in any given day, right, we let's just say there's an eight-hour shift. How many minutes of that day are spent actually producing, actually printing a shirt or embroidering a shirt? If you don't know that, you've got a giant downtime issue that's just basically a landmine waiting for you to step on. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share what, like one of the saddest stories that I've ever been a part of is when we had a customer that bought a digital heat effects from us years ago when they first started selling. That's a white toner printer to do t-shirt transfers. And he was in a, a, a small like Midwestern town of a few thousand people with a bigger metro close by. And when he bought this machine, you know, he'd been running it and selling shirts for, you know, maybe two and a half, three months, and he wasn't able to make his lease payment. And his lease payment was only a few hundred dollars. And he did not understand why, like he really felt towards us that we had done something wrong mm -hmm. by convincing him that this was a good idea. So after talking to this guy for, you know, for 30 minutes about his competition and his market and, and all of that stuff, it finally got down to what I should have asked him in the first place was, you know, what do you charge for a shirt? And it was $8. You know, he was spending $4 for a transfer and he was spending $3 for a shirt. So he's making a dollar a shirt. He, you know, he didn't have the kind of volume that you can make money. He's not an ooh shirts or a cafe press, you know, so he literally, every time he printed a shirt, he was losing $4. Right, right. You know, and if and you're right, if you don't know what all those numbers are, you know, then you know you are going to either go out of business quickly yeah. or slowly, depending on how close you happen to be by accident. Right. And and I would also, you know, everything, every process in the shop, from quoting to burning a screen or doing the artwork or whatever, takes a finite amount of time. And whether you're doing it, maybe there's like you know, you wear many hats or you've got a couple people that help you or whatever, you should understand how long things take and you should have a uh, number associated with that. Um, and I think a lot of people get hung up, especially early on with expanding their business. They're scared to hire employees. They're scared to do some stuff. Yeah. So one of the things I do as a coach, as I suggest to the owner is, how much is your time worth an hour? You know, is it 20 bucks an hour? Is it 50 bucks an hour? Is it 100 bucks an hour? Yeah. And so if you think about what your time is worth an hour and you jot down, maybe for a week, you just do an audit of all the things that you work on, I would argue that you're probably doing some stuff that you can hire somebody else to do, whether in your shop or outside, because, you know, these days you can get art done by other people or digitized. Yep done by other people or you can even outsource the production there's plenty of contractors out there sure. so it's like one of these things where you can be doing a lot more with your time and you could be seeing more revenue but a lot of people get hung up on well i can't afford to hire somebody yeah right so a suggestion i i've had and I, i've been talking about this for a while now is uh, if you think it's time for you to expand your staff how much are you going to pay this person, right? And then just take that amount of money for two, three, four weeks and just put it in a savings account every week like you were paying somebody, 
Good idea. And then did it make a dent? Is it like you can't afford it? Or is like, you know what? I think I can afford that. And then guess what? Then when you hire somebody, now you've got a month's worth of payroll sitting in a savings account. Yeah. And, and you've you, already proven you can afford it. Yeah. You can proven you can afford that extra person. And then you can move on with that decision and it makes it, you kind of like proof that concept a little bit. Yeah. And so is, it, it's yeah. really, it's really interesting. I know from our, our previous conversation that you're, you're a Brad Sugars fan and, and a profit first, and we'll link to the episode right. mm -hmm. where we, where we talk to him. Are you, um, do you usually when you, if you're working on a business plan, do you have that in mind or does that depend on the business that you're in front of? Because well, that yeah. was a very profit first kind of a strategy that you just I, outlined there. I like profit first a lot. I run my business on profit first. I advise people, if you haven't read that book, to read that. The other key book that's going around this, especially in this industry, is uh, Story Brand by Donald Miller. I don't yeah. know if you've done that yet. But um, so it's it's a really impactful way. And it's really about setting up a, It's remember, it's a process, right? It, things... When you system systematize things and things don't happen by accident, and you're yeah. setting up the process for things, you're going to get a better result. And I think when people get into this industry, a lot of it is fly by the seat of their pants just because they don't know anything. They don't yeah. know any better. Even if they've had success in a different industry, right? You were you work somewhere else, and a lot of people get into this industry. Uh, especially as like a side hustle thing. And they go, you know what? Uh, look how much money we spend on little Johnny's baseball uniforms. We can do that, right? right. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get into the industry and they start doing t-shirts. They realize, well, it's, you know, sometimes it's a little harder than you think. If they set up these processes where we're always doing it this certain way, you're going to have more success. And that's what Profit First is. It's simply a, it's a process for you to manage your money. Yeah, I think that's a good segue into kind of the, uh, you know, if you do have a business plan or you work out a business plan, like, you know, you're, you're choosing a piece of equipment to make a t-shirt or not um, as part of the business and you're going to learn that, you know, where does this kind of uh, physical and financial process start to, to work? So if I'm looking at getting into this business as a side hustle, Let's say you see the writing on the wall and you think we're headed for a rough road in the economy. You've got a decent full-time job, but you want to hedge your bets and have a custom t-shirt side hustle. You know, as far as processes and plans go, like what, what would you suggest? Where do you suggest people start? You know, before you expand, if you maybe you have some equipment, right? What are you doing? Where are these people? Why do they need you? And so yeah. one thing that, that, a lot of people get into this thing is with these big dreams. I'm going to get this stuff and I'm just going to take over. And, you know, but sooner or later, your, your mom and your friends, they're, they're not going to buy shirts from you anymore. And you got to go find some customers. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. and so who are these people and where are they? And, and so it, here's the other thing is um, if they are already buying shirts, chances are they are buying shirts from another company and the only way that they're going to buy shirts from you is if they fire that guy. Yeah. So you have to make a compelling reason why they should buy shirts from you. Okay. And it doesn't have to be because you're cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be because you're providing more value. 
And what is the value? That is the problem solving part of this whole industry is the value is in your customer's eyes, not in what you do. Yeah. And so you have to ask customers questions and that's the scariest part of all is actually talking to people. So a lot of folks I think get in this industry, think they can just throw up a website and they're in business, right? But how are you getting eyeballs to the website? How are you, are you just going to pay, uh, you know, per, per click? Is that your strategy? Okay. So what does that cost? You need to go down that rabbit hole and really explore it. And I would also venture to say, find some people who are successful and you, it's okay uh, to find that idea and use it for yourself. If you can tailor it into what you're doing, uh, it, it, you know, so part of, um, you know, the words R and D I'm sure you've heard those before, right. Um, is just, you know, research and development. What well, it could also stand for rip off and duplicate. So somebody's doing a really great idea. Okay. I don't mean plagiarize their designs. What I yeah. mean, take that business model and go, Hey, that's what they're doing. Look how they're doing it. Look how they're set it up. They're using this. They're using that. They're using this other thing. I can do that in my community as well. And you don't have to come up with the brand new idea. You can just use somebody. What somebody, else somebody else. Marshall, you, you missed your, you missed your chance. You missed your chance to say exactly the right thing. And that was, you have to listen to 121 hours of the custom apparel startups podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what you have to do. That's the first thing. You know, it, it, what's great is we've talked about uh, folks finding their niche market, you know, finding some, finding a community they can sell to a tribe of people that would be interested in purchasing apparel from them, yeah. right? custom apparel from them. And I think that what you just described here is a, perfect way to launch a business plan based on that. So if you've got a community of people, you know, you can sell to, you know, a loader, a local, you know, uh, fishing group, a local motorcycle group, a local school, schools, whatever it might yeah. be, right? There's a thousand of them. And you look at other businesses that are selling to a completely different group of, to a completely different tribe. Like noodling. Yeah. Like noodling shirts or something like that. And take those folks and, and look at what they do and say, yeah. let me look at their website. Are they doing things on social media? Are they advertising? Where are they advertising? Yeah. How are they doing it? What type of shop do they have? You know, dig in as deep as you can. And then you can mirror a lot of that for a completely different segment of people. And that happens all the time if you, if you like really start paying attention to marketing and advertisements, commercials, you know, products that come out, you'll see that looks just like this other product, but for women. Yeah, you know, yeah, that looks yeah. just like that, but for the urban, you know, like urban style. And it's because they actually, that's what they did. Right. So they just took something and they duplicated it, would put a different skin on it. Yeah, crazy. That was a good pause. I like that. Yeah. Until yeah, the broad yeah. time. <laughs> okay. So um, I think this is a good time for you to, you know, if you could not naming any names, mm -hmm. just give us some before and afters, you know, what, how have you tell us the story of, of a couple of businesses that, that have really changed, you know, because they've taken a look at their process or gone back to the plan and reworked things. Okay. So uh, I'll give you a couple of stories of me going to shops and yep. um, so um, I was just in a shop recently 
that is all DTG. And uh, they were really hyper-focused on making sure their processes were working. And when I got there, they, they weren't happy with their output. They were concerned with their costs were a little high. When I got there, um, they were really focused on doing their processes and they're, they're making sure it was exactly right. Well, here's the problem is they were doing the wrong processes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so in, with DTG, in case you don't know, uh, unless you buy a Coronet, which has the pre-treat inside the machine, you have to do the pre-treat separate. And so they have a pre-treater that was overspraying the shirts. And then when they were heat pressing the shirts to dry the pre-treat, it wasn't drying all of the fluid and they would wipe it down with a cloth. Well, later on in the process, this caused discoloration on the shirts. It caused misprints. It uh, ruined their throughput. They had like 18% uh, of their stuff was rejects, right? Which is wow. a large, large number. Yeah. It, it affected everything. Um, so it's just one of these things where looking at the process and having somebody from the outside come in and go, hey, why are you doing it this way? Yeah. Because sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think that's a good example. I just want to point out for the Coldesi customers that are listening, that story that Marshall just told is one great example of why our tech support people ask you basic questions before they go on to try to solve your problem. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that pre-treat issue, if they're not talking about pre-treat and asking those questions, then they might you you might never get to that solution. Yeah, it's really important when you've got something like this because um, we've got, Coldesi provides some of the tools for you to self-diagnose this and diagnose it with our team already. Yeah. But it really takes a level of humility, especially if you're listening to this and you like, yeah, you're, you're dissatisfied with output or performance or whatever it might be, thread breaks on your embroidery yeah, machine. Yeah. If you're disappointed with these things, You've got to go all the way back to step one. And if you can talk to somebody at Coldesi, right. the tech team, and, and go through those steps, you'll chances are you're doing something but, wrong. But I will say that the reason that Marshall got to this was because he went in. Yeah. Because they, they didn't see it, I assume, as something's broken in the way I'm printing. They saw it, something's broken in my, broken in my business, yeah. and I can't find it. Oh, yeah. Well, they were they were concerned about their uh, large number of misprints, I but bet. also the throughput was was dismal, right? And yeah. let me give you a pro tip, right? It's right here. It's your phone, right? On your phone, all these phones have a camera, and you can just simply record your process, right? And then if we played like I played football in high school, we watched game film all the time. Yeah. So you can record your process and then sit and watch what you're doing and then think to yourself, where did that person just go? Or why are we doing it that way? Is yeah. there any way that we can do it better? Let's say there's 10 steps in something. How can you do it in six? Right. How can yeah. you do it in four? And then do we even need to do it that way? Right. And you start dissecting that. And if you're struggling with stuff, let's say you want to be on support. Uh, with your team, right? You could send them the video link. It's yeah. like, here's how we're doing it. And they could go, well, wait a minute. Your problem is you forgot step three or whatever. That, and yeah. this is going yeah. to get you 
closer to the solution than if you, because sometimes we just don't have the words, right? We just don't, we, you know, to use a Greg Kitson thing, we don't know what we don't know, right? right. That's his famous quote. We don't know what we don't know. And maybe you're just new in the industry or you haven't been around for very long. The way to do this right is just to like record what you do and then you can record your progress. Here's how we, and then look, here's how we did it last year. Here's how we're doing it now. And you can go, Hey, look how much better we are at this. I will say that, that it's funny because, you know, we've got a great customer who did, um, who did some beta testing for us for the new DTG G4. And he was good enough. He's got a very busy DTG shop with multiple brands and specializes in contract printing. So he did a, um, you know, he recorded printing for an hour to give us a real world hourly oh, yeah. count. And we're watching the video and he came up about like five to 10 shirts shorter in that time period than he thought he should. And he watched the tape and it was like, I don't know where he, I don't know, what is he doing? Like, yeah. where did he go? Just exactly what you said. And this right. is somebody that's already like already doing it. So I'd say you're right. Even if you're really good and you think it's all oh, dialed yeah. in, then put a camera on it. I think that's a great idea. You, you know what happens too is, um, which reminds me in, so I've, and I've seen it and I've seen it happen here is where uh, support technicians talking to a customer who's trying to work through their process. Right. And they say, can you go ahead and shoot a video of me doing it? They love that. Yeah. Like, show me what you're doing. And so often I'm doing that step, right. I'm doing that step, right. I know I am. Just, no, can you not. shoot me the video? Yeah. And they look through it and not only do they pick up on one of some mistakes, right. but they pick up on others. And more often than not, that person is feels like just sense of like accomplishment oh. that, that all it took for me to do was point that camera and share it with somebody. And, it, and it's also, you're right about yeah. the embarrassed thing too, because it's also a red flag because we get a bunch of people that say no. Yeah. Like I definitely know I'm doing it right. I'm not going to videotape that for you. That's not the problem. So that's a red flag. And, right. ch and chances are, if and I've I remember this from I mean it's it's in movies it's it's everywhere just like you mentioned in in you know, watching the game footage, you know people all the time that are trying to perfect their dance or their ice yeah. skating or their whatever it is right they're constantly taking pictures watching footage of okay my leg needs to be higher you know because you can't see yourself while you're doing it right and it's oh. it's you get so. You get so trapped in, um, I really like in pride when yeah. you don't do that. I, I, I really am so disappointed because now I have to go back and watch one of our podcast episodes on video. <laughs> no. which I've never done but that we before. We watch the videos we shoot on video. We read each other's articles, right? And we sleep on stuff and yeah, read yeah, it, yeah. you know, and then, and then it turns out to be better later on and every time we Sometimes. go back we, we joke all the time every time we go back to a website oh my god we want to fix more things so um taking a t constantly looking into your business whether you're really fresh or you've been doing it for years yeah you can always find something to do better so so marshall like so we we've talked a little bit of, we've talked about the business plan and kind of this look at different processes that you do in person like what does it look like at the end when you do your your own analysis, or when you come in and do an analysis for some, analysis for somebody, like what does that what does that look like at the end? Is it 
Is it a final video of this is how you do it? Is it steps? Is it poster well, board? So I've got several different ways I work. Uh, some it's just a phone call, like every other week or every week or once a month, whatever, whatever yeah. they do, right? And then I have the on-site stuff. And when I go on site, we're looking to resolve particular challenges for for me to come to your shop. It's it's a you know it's a fairly expensive thing because there's my time plus travel and all that, right? And so we're we're looking to really resolve finite problems. So they want to improve their throughput, or I'm helping with the leadership team do something, or we're looking at uh, resolving some cost issue, or there's there, there's some challenge, uh, like I was alluding to with that uh, DTG shop, right? There's a challenge that we're trying to resolve with that. And so I give and articulate a game plan for them. Here are the three things that you need to do, or here's the stuff where you need to look at buying this or getting uh, this sort of training. Or I might say, hey, you've, I, I've been to shops before where I look at their financial stuff and uh, there's simply too many people working there. Yeah. And the people, like I went to this one shop one time and they were doing about 30 or 40 screens a day at the most. And they had four people working in the screen room. I'm like, I don't understand why you have four people. And I challenged them on that. And like, you know, hey, one person can do this job, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so it's like, this is how that shop can end up saving money. I mean, so taking these three people and either redeploying them somewhere else in the business or simply, I'm sorry to say, maybe you need to eliminate these positions. This yeah. is going to allow you to run your business leaner and you can realize more bottom line. So uh, my buddy, Mark Cadre, his famous phrase is, you know, top line sales is vanity. Bottom line is sanity, right? So it doesn't matter how much your sales are if you're not making money. So yeah. we need to be conscious of that in everything that we do. And this is why you need to know your numbers, right? Yeah. And keep looking at that and, looking at what we do and how we're doing it in the shop and be very observant. So I, I think like we have for some things in our, in our warehouse at uh, cold SE, because we deliver a huge number of products mm -hmm. for, for Coleman and company and in our sales division. And I'll mention one thing that we just started implementing in a moment, but you know, we do have these kind of, we looked at our processes, looked at what was broken with them and had customers tell it, tell us what was broken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we, we take these kind of codified steps. Here is what the customer journey looks like. Here's from the order through accounting, through the whole thing. Um, recently, we did that analysis, you know, just, just so uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you may have experienced it, is when you, when you purchase a piece of equipment from us, um, you're given a, uh, your, your own customer rep, mm -hmm. right? You're given your own customer rep. And what they'll do is they'll walk, they walk you through every step of, of getting up and running. And it includes setting up a, a, an account for supplies, mm. setting up account for the cold SE graphic services, letting you know where to buy blanks, um, how and when your training is going to be, um, what to do if you have a problem. There, there's a whole checklist of things we keep adding to, you know, to make sure that this is what it takes to keep a customer successful. And I think, you know, just like what Marshall said, if our customers are doing that for their customers, you know, like here's, here's where it starts. 
-hmm. How do I answer the phone? Yeah. Then what happens? Then what happens? Then it gets to the production side. You know, then what happens? And uh, the holes in it, the, the holes in your process, the customers will point it out to you pretty quickly. Yeah. And one thing that I learned working here over the years is, especially when you, when you continually um, look at your business, look at your processes, whether it's watching video of it or just knowing your numbers, all that, um, you'll probably see a lot of problems. You'll yes. probably see 20 problems, 40 problems. And we've had problems that we've known we could do better. We could, we can move this faster. We could ship this faster, you know, all these things. And you've got to then start to do a triage of the problems. Yes. So like the example of um, your customer uh, having an 18% failure rate, that seems like a really big problem. That's a big yeah. cost problem. So fix that, you know, then, okay, well, we have a problem, you know, tracking invoicing, you know, that's not as smooth. Okay, fix that later, you know? Yeah. So I, I think as, especially as a small business, you can think, oh, I wish I had this, but I can't afford to buy that software yet because I'm only selling. 200 shirts yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've got to kind of triage things and think of dreams. And over the years of working at Cold FC, I've seen us get to a point, we finally have the staff or the money or whatever it is. To do to, some of the to things. To do that. that. Thought, yeah. and, then, and then you do it and you've been dreaming about it for three years. Yeah. And you finally get there. Um, Marshall, what uh, I was curious on maybe your take on that, because a, a lot of folks listening to this are are um, they're in that between stage of being a startup and being, you know, having yeah. employees, right? And and their growth there. Do you have any? Um, I would say either advice or or just point out some mistakes you think they're going to make uh, that they can start looking out for or watching or changing today. Right. So uh, one tip I would advise everybody to have is a whiteboard. And I love whiteboards. And what I would suggest is, and I walk around when I go to shops, I, I have a little notebook and I, um, I write a lot of stuff down. I take lots of notes. And then what we want to be doing is recording the things that really aren't working as well. And we can put those on that whiteboard. And what you'll find, there's a great um, exercise that came from the book Traction, which is from Gina Wickman which is called IDS, Identify, Discuss, Solve. And so if we can identify what our problems are, we can put them on the whiteboard. And maybe this is you, maybe this is your team, right? We put them on the whiteboard. And then what we wanna do is we wanna discuss these problems. So what you'll find is a lot of these problems, maybe one problem is caused by another problem. For example, let's say you're a screen printer, and you've got, I don't know, a lot of pinholes, right? What are, what's causing pinholes? And it's driving you crazy because you're stopping to stop every once in a while and tape up the pinhole because it's leaving a little ink mark on the shirt and everything. And you, your first thought is that it's your emulsion, right? But maybe it's not. Maybe it's the fact that you didn't degrease your screens right. Or maybe it's the fact that your uh, glass on your vacuum table is really full of lint and you don't ever clean it, right? These are things that cause pinholes. So if we investigate the reason why we're having these issues, we can solve them, yeah. right? So, so that, that, you know, pinholes is a downtime problem. So, so 
if we're tracking your downtime and we say, hey, we stopped for five minutes to tape up the screen and we're constantly seeing this problem, maybe that goes on the whiteboard for us to investigate later. So I like using a whiteboard. If you don't have a whiteboard, you know, you have a yellow legal pad, whatever. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're recording these problems and we're going to be constantly investigating them. And so what I recommend is that we try all the time to get 1% better, right? That's a big Navy SEAL thing is to get 1% better. Every single day we're trying to get 1% better. So this week, what are your problems that you're trying to solve? How can we solve them? Who has the answers? Is there a tool? Is there an equipment? Is there somebody I can reach out to my supplier? Maybe I'm not using the right emulsion or ink or, you know, maybe my, uh, I need to do a, a step wedge um, test again. When's yeah. the last time you did that? What do we need to do to get better, right? Are we doing best industry practices? So just like, um, I don't know, a, a black belt in karate is always working on getting to the next level, you can too, right? So this industry, learning never stops. I've been in this industry since 1993. I'm constantly learning things. I'm constantly being amazed at some new process, some different thing. And I, I'm always talking to people about stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know everything. Anybody that tells you they know everything in this industry is full of it, right? We're always learning. And so I think taking that whiteboard idea and working on things, and so IDS really is identify, discuss, and then solve. We want to prioritize the things that we can do right now because yeah. maybe we know eventually we want to move from using film to using to a computer to screen system, right? That's our ultimate goal, right? Is to not use film anymore, is to do it using a CTS system. Great, okay? But in the meantime, we're using film. So how can we do that to the best of our ability, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. we want to learn how to do water-based sink. That's great. What do we need? We need different emulsion. We need to do some test prints. We need to do whatever, right? Maybe, or we're getting complaints because we're, uh, when we print our shirts, they're being too crooked. What causes that, right? It's the fact that when we're loading the shirts onto the platen, our hands aren't even as we go on the board. Maybe because I'm right-handed, my right hand's dominant, and I load it crooked, right? So using the, that game film idea, we can record how we load the shirts, and you can see how, where are your hands in yeah. relation to the platen. I like that. Yeah, and it makes me think of like a good, um, a good takeaway that um, one thing I always talk about is at the end, like yeah. here's something you can do, right? Yeah. And um, and getting to this, uh, we, we could probably kind of wrap this up with it with this thought of something to do forward. So for one, I like this concept of of getting a whiteboard and putting some problems on it. Yep. Right. Um, and then another thing is is you're mentioning, um, you know, uh, people have working with you or working with their team. You know, oftentimes uh, people listening to this, they aren't, they might not be that big of a team. Could just be husband and wife or two yeah. best friends. Yeah. So what a lot of small business owners do is they, for one, they join communities like custom apparel startups. Yep. And they ask questions there. Uh, and other times they just have a group of people that they've become intimately close with in business. 
where they share each other's problems. Yeah. So I would say, you know, start the problem solving. If you feel trapped because the group that you're in, husband and wife, right. can't solve them, then you go out there and do all the things we talk about, chambers of commerce and, yeah. and you know, BNI, all these things. Meet other people, custom apparel startups, and have this conversation about solving problems and yeah. try to solve a, solve a problem this week. Yeah, however I, small it is, even if it's the one percent. Hey, listen, I, I love that idea. We've got um, almost eleven thousand people in the CIS group, so somebody in there is going to have experienced your problem and may have a, a little push in the right direction. Yeah, and and definitely uh, a, another tip for that is because I read about it all the time on the group one yeah. person solved this is probably Marshall probably knows this better than everybody yeah. anybody right is that one person solves a problem one way then the yeah. other shop could have the same exact problem but needs a completely different solution yeah so look at advice you know take learn take from it for it, what it is take it for what it is and figure out how to adapt it into yours and if you know somebody who has who's a dentist and owns their own business, they probably can help you solve a problem related to t-shirt printing. And tooth decay. <laughs> and tooth decay. Yeah, hey, um, Marshall, do you, do you have any, any final words for the listeners of the CAS podcast here that you would like to impart? Sure, so if you're gonna make some changes, right, there's a phrase that you should use, which is shoot bullets, not cannonballs. So try something out, do something small, make it work, make it work, for three days straight, right? Before you go, hey, this is the new way we're doing it because maybe it only worked that one small time, right? So make it work consistently before it becomes your new way of doing something. Yeah. Right? I, it, it, so shoot bullets, not cannonballs can get you there. Um, so I think that's a, a really great way to do and you should be not be afraid to fail. Uh, so wisdom comes from learning. Learning comes from failing. Right. And uh, so I have failed like a gazillion times. Right. And so that's how I did my uh, best learning. You know, we, when we stumble into things and, and we're instantly successful, we don't learn as much. Right. When we stub our toe on the coffee table. Oh, my God, that really hurts. I'm not doing that again. You're going to learn more. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wear steel toe boots around the house. That's why I've sold all my coffee tables. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thanks very much um, for being with us, Marshall Atkinson. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have Marshall's uh, website address in the show notes. I highly recommend that you take advantage of whatever free content that he makes available. And if you need him to uh, pick up the phone and give, us, give him a call. Yeah. Okay, this has been Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And Mark Vila from uh, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. You guys have thanks. a great business. Hey, thanks. Thanks.